Assalamu alaikum. Welcome. I have. <laughs> I'm gonna start over. That's the great thing about editing. Assalamu oh, yeah. <laughs> alaikum. This is Katie Miranda on my podcast today. I have a very interesting guest. A big departure from what I usually talk about today. We have Abdullah Arabe. He is a professor of sociology at Grand Valley State University. He has a PhD in sociology from Michigan State and an MA in Arabic literature from King Saud University in Saudi Arabia. Welcome, Abdullah. Hi, welcome, Miranda. Thank you for hosting me. Could you tell us a little bit, just give people an introduction about yourself? It's a big question. <laughs> uh, I'm Abdullah Faisal Arab. I'm from uh, a tiny town in eastern province of Saudi Arabia called Awamiya. Uh, uh, I live in the Gulf area in uh, eastern uh, part of Saudi Arabia. Uh, I came to the United States after I finished my master's degree in Arabic literature from King Saudi University in Riyadh. I studied my second master in sociology of religion and my PhD in political sociology from Michigan State. I taught in some uh, institution in the United States before I moved to Grand Valley in 2016 to start my career here uh, as uh, the professor of religion and social theory. I get tenured last year, so now I'm promoted to be uh, associate professor. In addition, I'm a research fellow or non-resident scholar at uh, Middle East Institute uh, in Washington, DC, and the editor of chief of Michigan Social Review. Uh, cool. Yeah, my interest area is in uh, uh, Middle East, uh, social mobility, and uh, religious authority. Okay, awesome. So the reason I brought Abdullah on is because I visited Saudi Arabia for the first time in December, December 2021, because my husband is from there and we took our toddler there for the first time. And I was really quite struck by some of the glaring differences in the cultures. But there's one thing I brought Abdullah on to talk about specifically today. And that's the fact that homelessness does not exist in Saudi Arabia. And the reason I wanted to interview Abdullah is because the way the homeless situation is discussed here in America, it's about what to do with homeless people, how to get them off drugs, how to get them off the street. But there's never a discussion about what has failed in our society that led us up to this point. In our family structure, in our laws, um, in our drug policy, all these things have failed and that's why we are in the situation we are in here in the United States. Um, in, in our culture, we kind of just, <clears throat> excuse me, we just accept homelessness as a fact of life, that there are always gonna be homeless people. And in many of the cities, such as the one I live in, Portland, Oregon, there's a huge population who live on the street. And going to Saudi Arabia showed me that that does not have to be a reality of modern life. So Abdullah, Lots of questions for you. Can you tell us why there is no homelessness in Saudi Arabia? First of all, I uh, want to say sorry. I uh, We didn't meet each other in Saudi Arabia. I was there in December. Oh. Uh, and, yeah, and I left in January 10th. So we missed this opportunity to meet there. Uh, the idea of homeless, I think it's related to the three dimensions of any society. And any, any uh, existing society in this world has three dimensions, political, uh, economic and social. So each one of them contributes to any social fact in any given society. Uh, when we compare uh, industrial capitalist society, such as American society, with uh, a monarchy, uh, such as Saudi Arabia, it's a rental state, which means the state uh, practice the door of, uh, uh, practice the role of uh, father, better like a state, who is responsible uh, about generating the wealth of uh, the household, which is the country, basically oil, and distribute it to people. Uh, it's different from what we see here as uh, a society uh, based on individualism. Yes, individualism uh, in the United States came from the Protestant uh, ethics, which is uh, which means that people are responsible about themselves as individuals because their relationship with their God is direct. So we secularize uh, such a belief. In Saudi Arabia, uh, if we try to apply the three dimensions, first, politically, 
state is responsible about uh, solving uh, a lot of issues. One of them, security. If you have people uh, who are homeless and they don't have uh, shelter uh, and you don't have a suitable system for them to survive, they're going to tend to be a threat to the security of the nation. So the government tried to find some ways. Uh, socially, people feel ashamed if a member of their family, even if it's third or fourth cousin, if they are homeless, you need to find a way to help them. Uh, even if you give them some uh, help in order to be able to uh, uh, rent uh, a place such as slums or, or whatever mm -hmm. we call. Third one, the economy uh, is not based on individualism more than the involvement of the state, which is mixed with the political one. So the state uh, generate uh, uh, religious tax called zakah, and they put it in the formal uh, institutions of charity that they try to uh, provide at least a shelter, even if it's not uh, a shelter that people would find it the best or at least uh, the acceptable one, but at least uh, homeless is not an option in a country such as Saudi Arabia for these reasons. Okay, that's, that's really interesting what you said about the zakat, which is the tax that we as Muslims pay at the end of Ramadan. But here in the United States, we also pay income tax. So it's like, we're, we're paying tax here. You guys have to pay tax in Saudi Arabia, but it's like, what happens to that money? Why is it not lifting these people up the way it would in Saudi Arabia? Or is, or is it, is, are there just too many people here in the United States that need help versus Saudi Arabia? You know, it's like, both societies are being taxed, yet we have the homeless problem, yeah. you know? Yeah, first of all, poverty exists, uh, poverty exists everywhere, including Saudi Arabia. Yeah. But uh, homelessness uh, in a country such as Saudi Arabia represent uh, a security threat that uh, government must take immediate action. Uh, tax in the United States is really interesting uh, because uh, I understand this gradually since I uh, came to the United States in 2007 and I found out that I have to pay uh, six percentage in my groceries uh, when I buy things. You guys in Oregon don't have... Uh, yeah, we don't have sales tax. Oh, I'm jealous of you guys. Okay. <laughs> and uh, here's the thing. Uh, we pay tax 30 percentage as working class people. Okay. Middle class people pay tax and the tax being deducted from their... Uh, uh, salaries and goes to support poor people. Here's the question. How about upper class? Tax system in theory is wonderful in that state. In practice, rich people, they don't pay taxes. They have many ways in, uh, to help them to escape uh, taxes, especially with the online uh, projects. Okay, Some of them decide to don't, take, uh, to don't receive salary from the companies that they own most of their uh, stocks and they, they are the CEOs of them in order to avoid being uh, taxed, okay? Those big companies, uh, Amazon, uh, yeah. Facebook, and that's what uh, our former president uh, did, uh, uh, which is uh, Donald Trump. Uh, so tax hair being used in not acceptable way, we've been taxes, you and me and most of uh, working class people, and those to support uh, government uh, plans, small part of it go to poor people. This country paid a lot of money to support the war in Afghanistan, the, the war in Ukraine right now. So we have two important factors. People who have a lot of money, they are not taxed. And considerable portion of the tax goes to something else other than uh, American people interest. Yeah. In uh, countries such as Saudi Arabia, uh, we still don't have a lot of taxes. Yes, the government, uh, the, the new government led by uh, the current uh, Crown Prince, Prince Mohammed bin Salman, start to tax people in many things, but still uh, government contribute to projects because government uh, own the uh, natural resources and the uh, means of production. So here's uh, the difference. We have taxes here more than there, but tax is not uh, being generated in an effective way and is not being spent in uh, effective ways. There, in, in Saudi government, 
tax is a part of the national income, not the whole one, like what we have here. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I want to go back to something you said earlier. You said that in Saudi culture, it it would be considered a big shame on the family if somebody from their family was homeless, um, even if it was a distant cousin. But that that just doesn't exist in this country. You know, can you can you talk more about that? Like, yeah, yeah. Again, we get back to the principle uh, base, which is. Uh, being individualistic, uh, being uh, in the individualistic system or collective system. Yeah. Okay? A tribal and familial system is a collective system. Okay. And it's come even from Islam, uh, the family is responsible about uh, its members. Okay. And uh, because you hold the prestige of your last name, you get uh, good uh, support from people who hold the same last name that you hold. Uh, you use your uh, last name when you go to get married or whatever. You get all those benefits. So you must, you must pay the price, okay? Yes, nobody forced you to do it. But if you don't do it, uh, you might be excelled socially from your uh, uh, family. In the United States, as a capitalist uh, uh, country that's based on capitalism, you are individual who is responsible about yourself and you don't have to support anybody if you don't want to do it. And no one expects you to uh, uh, support them. No one ex expects you to go and uh, uh, find them place to rent or whatever. Um, you should go to ask uh, uh, NGOs to support you and NGOs doing this as a charity, not as uh, a social obligation such as what we see in collective societies such as Saudi Arabia and neighboring countries. So have you ever seen a homeless person in Saudi Arabia ever? <clears throat> yeah, we have a few in Saudi Arabia uh, and it's different from uh, a place to other. We don't have a lot of homeless. We have a few of them uh, and they may have their own, uh, uh, own conditions. Uh, I think it's been declined now uh, to best of my knowledge and my personal experience, most of homeless people that I met in my life uh, had mental issues. Mm -hmm. So they left their uh, families and uh, stay in farms or uh, uh, wherever uh, they stay, uh, decide to stay there and uh, receive some help from people. Okay, people may give them uh, food, may give them clothes. Uh, some of them still... Uh, their family members chase them to uh, to give them help. That's the best of my knowledge. I, I don't have uh, uh, any statistics about uh, homeless in uh, the Middle East in general and GCC countries in, in particular, uh, including Saudi Arabia. Yeah, well, I, I didn't see a single person <clears throat> camped out. While in, yeah, while in Portland, for example, I saw a lot of them. And homeless yeah. is a lifestyle, by the way. You may see some homeless people, especially in Portland, you see some of them wearing neat, uh, neat clothes, having uh, fancy dogs. And sometimes you ask yourself, this dog costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And it's part of lifestyle uh, that some homeless people adapt. I'm not saying all homeless people choose to be homeless, but some of them uh, can escape it if they want. Yeah. I think I saw one woman begging in Saudi Arabia while I was there, but that doesn't necessarily mean she's homeless and this is illegal by the way really oh yeah this is okay. illegal uh, and i i know a friend of mine who used to uh, work uh, in um, uh, ministry of social affairs uh, and he was responsible about chasing uh, beggars and uh, put them in a van and bring them to uh, the office and make and investigate uh, why they are doing this uh, the majority of them are foreigners who sneak the borders mm -hmm. Uh, or uh, arrive to Saudi Arabia as refugee, and then they start to, to beg. Okay. Some of them have it as a profession. Yes, for sure, we may have some of them uh, really in need, and they don't know how to seek the resources from the government or the NGOs. So what does the Saudi government do with somebody like that? Since begging is illegal, um, say they arrest the person, then what happens to them so that they don't go back on the street and start begging again? Based on what I learned from my friend who used to work in this office, he told me if they are not uh, citizens, 
they get a department in the country, okay? Uh, or if they have somebody who can uh, take the responsibility and uh, sign a pledge that they would uh, never do it again, uh, they may uh, do that. For citizens, they investigate what's going on and why they are doing this, and usually they don't go harsh with them. They make them just uh, sign a pledge that they will not do it again and leave. And do they tie that pledge into the into like the family member somehow so that the family is somehow responsible? If uh, the one who is big and woman, usually they do this. And if uh-huh. uh, he's a man, uh, you know, they uh, they just uh, make them sign the pledge and leave. I'm not sure about this uh, practically, and I think uh, there is some reform uh, on the, the procedure of how to deal with the. Uh, with people who are beginning in the street. Yeah. So I want to go back to what you were talking about, individualistic versus collective society. Um, Because I was in Denmark a few years ago, um, which is an individualistic society. There are no homeless, no beggars. What do you think has failed in the United States, in our culture, in our laws, um, so that we are in the situation that we're in, but a place like Denmark, you know, and I, I asked Danish people, like, what happens with your alcoholics and your drug addicts who can't take care of themselves or are you mentally ill? And they told me, you know, the government just takes care of them. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you think has failed here in that regard? Oh, there are two things. Uh, first of all, the incomes in uh, those countries really high. Mm-hmm. The tax is so high. Okay, the tax there is so high, and they follow what uh, they call social capitalism. Yeah. There's a mix between capitalism as an yeah. economic system and socialism as social political system. So government still take care of people after uh, the government provide a good environment for people to have jobs. But when you have a job, a considerable chunk from your uh, income going to go to the government, but we're still going to pay you a lot of money. Mm-hmm. For example, a professor like me in uh, Denmark would pay more tax, but he or she gonna make, receive more money. Plus, plus, they gonna receive some uh, free uh, or uh, se- uh, semi-free uh, uh, services. For example, health insurance. Yeah, you have health insurance from your job. I have health insurance of my job. Do we really receive uh, a lot of free uh, care? No. Would be a lot of money uh, as deductible. Uh, yeah. So what happened? Those countries they uh, have a lot of resources, so uh, people get high salaries, pay more taxes. Government invest a considerable part of the tax inside the country rather than spending the money outside. Yes, still the European countries uh, uh, invest a lot of money uh, in global uh, affairs, but not like what we are doing here. Okay, so social capitalism uh, is the key answer of this. Social capitalism make it really hard uh, to find homeless there. Yes, if they don't have uh, uh, enough natural resources, such as what we see in Canada, they are following social capitalism, but you still see some homeless. But Canada doesn't have the same Wealth, uh, wealth that we find in Denmark, Sweden, Norway, or those countries. So are you familiar with the term, the homeless industrial complex? No, if you can explain it more, I would... Uh... It, it's kind of a play on the term, the military industrial complex. Um, and it refers to the, the system of nonprofits and agencies and organizations that are supposed to s- support these people. And you know, in places like California or in specifically San Francisco, there's like this huge budget that goes to try and support these people. It's referred to as jokingly as the homeless industrial complex. And so I'm wondering, like, why do you think that that is failing so badly here? You know, when there's there's clearly a lot of money available to help these people, but it's not working for them like it is in like Denmark. I mean, I know you said they pay higher taxes, but you know, San, San Francisco allocates like millions and millions of dollars every year. And, you know, it's still the way it is. Here's a question. When, uh, when government generates taxes from people in any uh, city or town or village in this country, uh, how much of this 
tax stay in in local area and how much go to washington dc and become a subject of uh, what we can call bills bottles among congressmen mm -hmm. okay okay i asked my students uh, last week about uh, the two trillion dollars being invested in afghanistan mm -hmm. how many students in this country would receive a free education rather than paying uh, their tuition either through parents or, or uh, loans okay uh, a lot of money being invested in uh, uh, foreign policy okay yeah. so uh, i am not familiar with uh, the tax system in san francisco or portland mm -hmm. and if there is really enough money to be invested in this uh, uh, matter but uh, to the best of my knowledge is uh, to pass a bill in uh, Congress in Washington, D.C. is a hustle and a lot of negotiations uh, among congressmen in order to pass those bills. So uh, in local governments, uh, do they really have enough resources to take care of their uh, local issues or no? I'm not sure about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what role do you think religion plays in preventing homelessness in Saudi Arabia, if any? Yes, uh, religion and encouraging people uh, to participate in charity, either the obligated uh, charity or the voluntarily uh, charity is uh, play a role. Uh, it's effective role. Uh, people uh, who are wealthy like to invest money uh, in uh, supporting uh, people, especially uh, renting places. Okay. Uh, yes, a lot of people, they don't own their houses. But when it's come to uh, be threatened that you're going to be homeless, you're going to find somebody who help you to find uh, an apartment or so uh, to survive there as a shelter, not a fancy house or appropriate house that you want, but at least uh, they're going to make sure you are not in, uh, a homeless. So both government and people who do it as a charity, they think uh, is going to help them uh, in the day of judgment uh, and they are investing uh, to their afterlife. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Whereas I think a lot of people in the United States, they're secular and they don't think about things like that. Uh, uh, we, indeed, we, we have a lot of people who are secular and still uh, uh, donate a lot of money. But here's the thing, yeah. because, because uh, people, when they donate, they donate because they like to support. They don't think about afterlife. Uh -huh. They may donate to many things. For example, think tank in Washington, DC, they, they receive a lot of donations, okay? Uh, with all respect to people, uh, uh, ideas about uh, animal rights, uh, dogs and cats shelters, uh, uh, many things people may donate uh, for based on secular uh, uh, ideas. So people feel happy to participate or to contribute in making society as a, a better world. So if it's based on religion, usually you uh, spend money, you, do, you donate money that cover the basic human need. Uh, if you are secular, you're going to donate based on your interest. Okay, so that's the difference between somebody yeah. who, who donate uh, and seek his or her own salvation and somebody who donate because they, they think they are obligated to support the society in general. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Do you think there's anything that American policymakers and lawmakers can learn from Saudi culture in terms of how you guys prevent homelessness from happening? I think this is uh, hard to be uh, addressed in this way because here's the thing. You have a capitalist uh, country with more than 300 million mm -hmm. uh, and you have uh, a wealthy country with 30 million uh different laws different uh, social habits it's really hard to uh, to ask any of them to learn from each other mm. so i think uh, if we want to compare uh, united states to saudi arabia we can compare them based on when we say the term football football that american people call it soccer here uh -huh. but, but united states but american people when they say football is not a ball and people yeah. play it by hand so the same thing here. When we think about government that's obligated to uh, provide jobs and security and all of that, the government basically may say, but we don't own the resources. 
Mm-hmm. While uh, the government in countries such as Saudi Arabia or GCC countries, they own the resources. So yeah. they take the oil of the, uh, from uh, uh, the earth and uh, uh, sell it and spend it on, the, on their own people. Yeah. Well, yes. Country like Saudi Arabia and the neighbor country, they don't generate a lot of taxes like what we see here. I think what we need to learn from other countries is how to make sure that rich people don't escape taxes. Interesting, okay. To be fair, uh, look what happened in Saudi Arabia now with uh, fighting uh, corruption. The government come after people who belong uh, noble families, who used to be really powerful and uh, investigate their uh, money. We don't need to do this in the United States. We need at least to make sure that people who own those huge companies, why they don't pay taxes? Why somebody who, uh, who run for a president uh, position, no one know about his tax uh, reports. And the other one, uh, which was Biden that time, when they raised questions about his son' uh, wealth, he, he couldn't answer. So <laughs> both of them, I, when we talk, yeah. we need to address uh, both sides. I think what we need to, uh, to learn from any other country, either in Middle East or in Europe or whatever, is how to make sure that people being treated equally not based on their uh, ability to access to lawyers who can support them and make them escape uh, the gaps in the law. Mm, I see. Yeah. I'm sorry if I say this in really straightforward, but based on what I see in the United States, based the huge chunk of my income that I'm paying uh, as tax, yeah. uh, as a working class person, uh, I think uh, my students uh, deserve a better life in the future by making sure that the tax they, that they're going to pay would pay off just like their peers in Denmark, Sweden, and Norway. Uh-huh. So I want to ask you now a little bit about drugs. Yeah. So that is a huge contribution to the homelessness problem here. Um, and I know the drug laws are very, very strict oh. in Saudi Arabia. How do you think that plays a part? And what are the punishments in Saudi Arabia for drugs? Uh, for bringing the drugs into country is capital punishment. Uh-huh. If anyone uh, being caught with uh, a considerable amount of drugs and uh, they pass, try to pass the border of drugs, they're going to be executed. Uh-huh. Yes, we still have a dr- uh, drugs issue in Saudi Arabia, just like any other country. Yeah. Okay, We have neighboring countries who uh, uh, export drugs uh, and they have their own way to Middle East and Middle East, uh, including Saudi Arabia, is easier for them compared with other countries such as Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, but you need to have suitable customers for the drug. I think capitalist uh, system is a suitable uh, market for people who want to consume drugs and alcoholic, abusing alcohol and the drugs uh, is, uh, one of the capitalist uh, issues because people who work uh, long hours a day with uh, hourly uh, payment and they want to find happiness, they want to skip the world. So drugs is a really fast uh, solution for them. Yes, it's wrong, but a drug and abusing alcohol is the easiest way to uh, uh, skip this world for an hour or two or a night. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, alcohol is illegal so people may find their illegal way to find alcohol, but you need to be really rich in order to find a bottle of uh, a good drink. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, alcohol is not a serious issue in Saudi Arabia. Drugs, it's illegal. Government do its effort uh, to uh, fight uh, drugs. And socially, somebody who is uh, in a drug uh, gonna face a lot of issues. For example, if you are single and want to get married, it's gonna be really hard for you to find a decent partner uh, because uh, families would never accept uh, somebody to marry their daughter uh, if uh, he is a drug person. Uh, so there are social consequences that the, exist there that don't, do not exist here. Yeah. Hey, a lot of people here, they don't care about getting married. You are my friend. You are using drugs, but you are my friend. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I would date a girl who uh, who is using a drug, but we will see if we're gonna get married, uh, if she's gonna stop or not. Then we feel in love, and oh, I gonna help her. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's what we see here in the United yeah. States, uh, because the problems of working class here, it's really 
a matter that need to be discussed, and that's what we discuss in uh, a class that called social problem. In any department of sociology, we okay. teach class called social problem. Most of the problems that we discuss affecting working class people. Those are the people who pay tax. Those are the people who barely survive with uh, working long hours. Mm -hmm. So if they don't have a hope that come from family, uh, they uh, would move to uh, use drugs. Look what happened during the Cold War, especially up to 80s, when family, when American family was a matter. Drugs, yeah. drugs been declined compared with uh, civil rights uh, movement, uh, with the uh, Vietnam War and all these things. So when uh, United States focused on American family mm -hmm. to fight communism, Drugs was not an option. So government uh, goes so aggressive with drugs, but making sure that people have family and family give people hope. Today, the interest to have family been declined. Yeah. Whenever I ask my students, and I'm, I'm teaching in a really conservative part of this nation. I'm in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh -huh. one, one of the most conservative uh, areas uh, uh, in the nation. I have a considerable, num considerable number of my students are not interested in uh, getting married. Why do you think that is? Uh, individualism. Individualism make people want to escape the responsibility, the commitment. Okay, so if I don't have commitment, I'm gonna be my, by myself. When I be by myself and over individualistic, uh, abusing alcohol, which is legal, or uh, abusing drugs, which is still illegal, but people find their own way, uh, it's a personal uh, uh, decision. Okay, I have my health insurance. If I die, my insurance is gonna uh, take care of my body. Mm -hmm. So I think the problem is uh, government need to focus on work on the social problems of middle class and uh, working class and take care of them, encouraging people to establish family. Yes, we still have some, uh, some uh, good actions such as uh, if you are married and you have kids, your tax, uh, gonna be better compared with people who are single yes but i think government need to invest more uh, on surfing working class people i don't want to speak as a marxist uh, uh, sociologist i'm Weberian, not marxist but you're not I, marxist no i'm Weberian. you're what uh, Weberian. i i i uh, what is do, that uh, i do most of my uh, uh, research based on max faber Oh, okay. So, I don't know who that is. Yeah, oh, oh, Max Weber, there are three great founders of sociology, Karl Marx, Max Weber, and Emil Durkheim. And each one of them represent a school of thought in sociology. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I follow Max Weber uh, theories, and uh, Max Weber is the one who wrote the famous book that called The Protestant Ethic and the uh, Spirit of Capitalism. And he experienced uh, his... Uh, uh, he, he, he expressed his ideas of... Uh, uh, capitalism and how people practice capitalism based on some religious uh, ideas. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. So that that's the theory that you follow. Yeah. So I think uh, any country want to uh, uh, solve those social major problem, major social problems: drugs, uh, homelessness, mass shooting, uh, uh, bullying, or uh, dropping from schools. Uh, teenager pregnancy, all these uh, problems need to be solved through uh, investing in uh, investing on uh, supporting wor uh, working class people. I'm not asking for giving people money for free, but- So what's an example of that? Like what would you be asking for? Okay, increasing uh, the minimum uh, wage. Uh -huh. the, mi the minimum wage, that, uh, the federal minimum wage in the United States is pretty low, okay? Uh, Finding a way to give people good health insurance. Yeah, now, I think that would take care of a lot of a lot of people's problems if they could like get health care that was good and they didn't have to worry about going bankrupt. Yeah, so those two two important things uh, I think gonna help people uh, to have a home. Mm -hmm. Okay, but if you talk with a student here who is getting a loan in order to. Uh, uh, go to college to have a better life, to achieve what we call American dream. And they graduate, start with 50 Ks a year, and they have to pay for their loans. Mm -hmm. 
finding uh, their own place, you need to make them have a move from student life to adult life. I experienced this myself. When I start my job here, uh, in the first couple of years, my economic condition as uh, a person was not any better compared with when I was a grad student. Mm -hmm. So again, we are talking about uh, a prestigious job. And I think you, because you experienced this when you just graduated from college, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I was very, very poor. Yeah, and one more thing, it's still up to today. You and me, people who have good jobs, and good title, and decent health insurance, we would think twice before going to a doctor because of the deductible part of our insurance. Why we are doing this? I think all these questions need to be answered. Uh, in order to uh, solve uh, this problem. If I compare this with what, with, with what going on in Saudi Arabia, no. yes, it's not perfect, okay? And we still have a lot of social problems. We, no, no one can, can deny this. Poverty exists. Uh, health uh, system need to be reformed. But uh, every Saudi citizen can go to the doctor and they don't have to pay anything, right? Yes, uh, that, that's what we have now. We have uh, good service there, I think, when we want to compare what happened in the United States, we should not compare it with what happened in our interstates such as Saudi Arabia. Let's compare them with European Union and mm -hmm. how they practice capitalism, but they still have social part, take care of the uh, people. Because yeah. here's, the, here's the thing, if you don't take care of poor people, you're gonna affect the security. You will invest more in uh, mental health uh, care, police departments, and other resources. So it's better to spend more money to fight poverty rather than spending money to build more police stations and recruit more people to work as police officers. Have you heard of this book called The Nordic Theory of Everything? No. It's by a woman named um, Anu Partinen, I think. She, she's a Finnish immigrant to the United States and she moved here to get married to an American and she was so shocked at how dysfunctional everything was here in this country compared to her life in Finland um, in terms of like the medical system, childcare, schools, um, and just things like getting cable television. It, it was, there's so much bureaucracy in the United States compared to in Finland that she decided to write a book about like what works in the Nordic countries that could be applied to the United States to make everybody, to make things easier for people and to, to allow people to spend more time doing what they want to do instead of, you know, being on the phone with their insurance company, you know, which is, that's like a soul crushing way to spend your afternoon, you know? Yeah. That's what Max Weber, uh, my favorite sociologist called the iron cage. He talked about how a human being create the, laws and regulation to ensure the justice and equal opportunities but we end up with building an iron cage around us with the bureaucracy uh, yeah in, yeah in the united states people have a lot of papers yeah we have to deal with all these things uh, as you just mentioned you may spend your whole afternoon to solve a problem sometimes uh, you just think it doesn't work and you ignore it yeah, I if I share uh, some of my experience uh, with that, you're gonna be shocked. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't be because I, I I'm up to here in it right now myself. Yeah, I, I remember uh, when I was on visa before I get my permanent residency here. Uh, I give a speech uh, in University of Colorado Boulder, and those people are really nice. They want to pay me uh -huh. because I'm on visa. I have no right to receive any payment from other place other than Grand Valley. So when I, when they ask me to give them Bitcoin. some, books, yeah, when I when they ask me to uh, provide some paperwork and I couldn't provide them because I'm on visa, we end up with this, the, a contract between University of Colorado and the Grand Valley to hire me to go to do this job, and I end up being taxed in California in in, in Colorado and Michigan. Oh my God! Yeah, and again. That's ridiculous. And, and that, that's like the story of people's lives here. It's not just because you're an immigrant. Seven you know? months. And again, I get, I get paid in, uh, in, I think in June, 
Uh-huh. May, I'm not sure if I this is the way with uh, May or June, but I gave the speech before Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Why did it take so long for them to pay you? The process. And again, you cannot blame any of the employee that I deal with. Yeah, I, deal with. I know. It's okay. the system. As you said, the iron cage. That the iron cage. So I think uh, we go a lot with the paperwork. Uh, but again, Finland, that you mentioned now, Finland, just like the Denmark, Sweden, and uh, Norway, those countries are different. Yeah. Yeah, those countries are, are different and uh, they have less people, they pay uh, outstanding salaries, they detect uh, a huge tax, and they invest a large portion of their tax inside the country mm-hmm. so it's normal to don't see as uh, don't see the same level of problem that we have there here in this yeah well thank you so much abdullah this was very interesting and enlightening um i was i guess i was sort of hoping to realize that there was like something we could learn from saudi culture and apply it here to help solve this problem but after talking to you i think i think that that's not really possible. I don't think Americans would, you know, we're not going to become a collectivist society for one. And we have this, as you say, iron cage, and I don't even know how to dismantle that. <laughs> again, it's, you know? uh, again, it's not because uh, there is an issue, but uh, here's, uh, here's the thing is, uh, you have two different uh, packages. Yeah. And each package has its positive and negative uh, yeah. matters uh, being uh, capitalist, individualistic uh, country and society, capitalist uh, country with individualistic society, uh, different than being an inter-state uh, with uh, a collective society. Yes, uh, each society has many things to teach to uh, the other one, but here's the thing, with the political, economic, and social systems, allow those uh, things that uh, we learn from each other to be mainstream, I doubt it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wish we could take like the good things from Saudi society and bring them here without the bad things. But I, then it's like, I don't know. I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, and again, even the life system there. Uh, yeah. people, people here appreciate uh, individualism uh, while they appreciate uh, collectivism. Uh, that transfer to positive and negative things. There, if you have a problem, you're going to have some people to stand for you, uh, and you expect that. Here, yeah. you don't have. But on, on the other hand, if you have a problem that you need to keep it personal here, you can keep it personal. There, it's not your personal things. Yeah. Okay? There's so no privacy there. Uh, it's hard to say. Let's say there is limited privacy there. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that's a better way to say it. Yeah, it's limited privacy. And uh, you need to get the whole package. Okay. There is nothing you can get the best of it and mm-hmm. get rid of the negative part. Uh, I think uh, it's a matter of what kind of system that you serve your best interest as individual. And you think, is this what uh, you want or no? Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, thank you very much, Abdullah, for taking your time. You are welcome, and uh, I'm really happy that uh, I participate in your uh, podcast. Thank you, Miranda. Okay, you're welcome. I'll send you a copy of the video once I post it on YouTube, and you can share it. Okay, thank you so much. How was it? I don't know if it's... Yeah, it was uh... great. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, And again, it's good to have it on Monday, because uh, I don't teach on Monday, and I have some meeting in Wednesdays, and Ramadan is going to be really soon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, feel free to share it with your students too. Yeah, and I would be interested to uh, meet your husband or, or know him. I, uh, I've i been in Portland a couple of times. Yeah, let me know next time you're here. Yeah, I uh, visited Portland in 2016. Uh-huh. You, you guys were here, were there in 2016? Yeah, I was here. I met him in 2016. Um, he was here visiting his brothers. Oh, uh, oh you, you guys just got married uh, recently. I thought you we guys got married in 2018. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah I, I really, really like those successful stories of uh, uh, marriage between Saudis and American. We don't have a lot of them, but the best one I know, uh, it's, there, there is a professor in Iowa uh, who is from my hometown. He has been married to his wife since 1978. Uh-huh. Wow. And here's the thing. He is super conservative Muslim. Yeah. And she is super conservative uh, Christian. Uh-huh. And they are they are still practice their own religion. 
Interesting. And they have five kids uh -huh. and they are super happy. I visit their house uh, several times and I think they are uh, a good role model uh, for interfaith uh, uh, marriage. Interesting. Yeah, I, I became Muslim about uh, 12 years ago. Oh. Um, and I, you know, I think my husband's the greatest thing. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm really happy. And he, some of the qualities about him, um, because he's Saudi, I appreciate that like so much about him versus American men. Um, you know, like the, the trait in American men of not wanting to get married, like, and not yeah. thinking family is important, not wanting kids. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I was asking one of my friends who uh, got married in 2016. Uh, he was uh, looking for uh, a partner uh, and uh, many people in Dearborn want uh, want him because his uh, his dad is uh, a sheikh, so his dad is famous, and uh, they want him to uh, uh, get married from the community there. But he was looking for American Muslim woman, uh -huh. and he was insisting to marry uh, a white uh, Muslim woman. I told him why. He said, uh, "I need to be clear. Uh, people from the community in Dearborn." they get uh, the negative part of both American society and Arab society. Oh, then, yeah, and he found uh, a girl who convert uh, Islam maybe three or four years before they uh, they met. Uh -huh. And he's so happy. They have a son now and he's uh -huh. so happy. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, and uh, that's what happened to me. I am divorced uh, a few years ago and uh, I would never get married to somebody from uh, Dearborn. I don't say there's uh, something wrong with them, mm -hmm. but I don't think with my mentality i would be able to uh, uh, get the mix okay i would be okay with uh, with american lady or with somebody who come from middle east but somebody who raised by immigrants and uh, get different training in the same time mm -hmm. i think they can get along with people who are like them so for example if my, i have a daughter who is uh, about to be 11 years soon if she stay here mm -hmm. I would never advise her to marry an Arab uh, guy who came from Middle East, or I would I would tell her marry somebody from here mm -hmm. because you guys gonna understand their uh, your mentality. Yeah. So for you, for example, uh, when you deal with your husband, you know he he came from Middle East, so you already expect some uh, misunderstanding. He would expect some misunderstanding. So you guys have a clear set of expectation. If he married to an Arab girl who been born and raised in uh, in Portland, they both gonna have a lot of arguments. You know mm. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I I actually lived in the Middle East for three years. Um, I lived in Palestine, so oh. the you know the culture was familiar to me, and um, yeah, I, I think that helped out a lot. Yeah. Yeah, having that that experience. Um, yeah. So are you uh, looking to get married again? Yeah, but it's, it's really hard here. I uh, Yesterday I was uh, with my daughter in a coffee shop with one of my friends there. And he asked me, why don't you consider the community here? Mm -hmm. I, I asked him, okay, tell me about the community. Do you know any person I should meet? He said, no. I say, you live here, you see people here, and you, you, you say no. How about me? <laughs> yeah, it was, I don't say it's impossible, no. The answer. Yeah. Yeah, I... Uh, I met uh, a sweet girl in Saudi Arabia a few years ago, four years ago. And before we get married, I asked her to visit the area and see. She mm -hmm. came to Grand Rapids. She saw Grand Rapids. She spent uh, six days in Grand Rapids. She gets back and she told me, no way, I'm not gonna move here. Interesting. And by the way, Grand Rapids is a beautiful city. Yeah. I don't know if you've been here or not. No, I've it's been to Michigan, but just to Detroit. No, if you come as cities, there is no, you cannot compare Grand Rapids with the Detroit. Grand Rapids is way better, uh -huh. but but it's super white area. Uh -huh. If you are uh, even if you are white, but not from certain uh, people, if you are not Dutch or uh, or so, uh, people gonna think about you as a stranger. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah. So it's it's uh -huh. really hard. So many people they they don't like it. So it's really hard. I don't know uh, any one of the. Uh, community here, but I would really be interested to uh, to find somebody just like what you say about you, yourself, somebody who is already converted. I don't like uh, to find somebody to convert for me at all. Somebody who, who already 
converted and she wants to take the responsibility of life. If uh -huh. I find somebody like this, I would be really happy to uh, to consider that and uh, talk with her. I don't care about sect. If she's Sunni or she, this is not my problem at all. I don't, uh, uh, I'm not that strict with uh, a practice. Uh, uh -huh. And uh, I respect people who have strong personality. I believe uh, weak woman is uh, is either rude woman or she might be rude one day. That's what I found. Uh, strong woman is always nice. I say, I, what is it? yeah. She's I know. I know a woman in um, London who's single. Oh. She's awesome. I, I love her UK? to death. UK. Yeah. Oh. She's what? um, she's Egyptian Canadian, and she she lived in the Middle East, and she lived in Canada, and now she's in London. But she does. She's not interested in moving. She told me that. Yeah, I'm I know. trying to find somebody for her. Yeah, again, London, if somebody lives in London, just like the girls who live in Detroit. So uh, Dearborn has a lot of girls who would love to marry somebody like me. Mm -hmm. I know. But here's the thing. They are not interested in moving from Dearborn to Grand Rapids, even two hours mm -hmm. and a half. Plus, uh, even if they agree to, to move today, they're going to keep uh, knocking in my head <laughs> to move back. Mm -hmm. And they would end up with saying, you know what, you teach only two days a week. Okay, why don't we uh, buy a house in uh, Dearborn and you go uh, and commute? I know all guys who uh, live in Dearborn told me about those stories. They are not interested in moving because they are not Arab, neither American. They are from Dearborn. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> Just like those girls in London. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I guess it wouldn't work with her then. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, I've got to get going, but it was really great meeting you. And let me know if you're ever in Portland. Um, and I'll let you know next time we go to Saudi Arabia, maybe we'll um, be there at the same time again. Sure. And I plan to uh, visit uh, the area uh, sometimes in summer with my daughter. So when I come to, if I come in summer, uh, I will let you know definitely. Before, uh, and 